Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Let go with Ego. Existen dos tipos de personas en el mundo. Los que prefieren un desayuno dulce con frutas, dulce de leche y un jugo de naranja. Y los que prefieren un desayuno salado con chorizo, huevos rancheros y un café. Pero sin importar qué tipo de persona eres, hay algo que a todos les va a gustar. Los crujientes y esponjosos Ego Waffles. Ya sea que te guste un desayuno salado, con huevos o salsa picante encima de tus waffles, o seas más dulcero y los prefieras con mantequilla y miel. Encuéntranos en el pasillo de desayunos congelados. Lego with Ego. Hello everyone, I'm Jenny. And I'm Kevin. And this is Hyphenated, a podcast about living in the hyphen. We are back with Kevin Bosch. Hello. You're like one of those fun recurring guests <laughs> on a TV sitcom. And you like open the door. It's like, I'm back. <laughs> Who is that guy? So today we're going to be talking about all things geek pop culture. Mm -hmm. The stuff we got picked on for in middle school and now it's totally accepted. Yeah. For the most part. <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays, kids can go to school with a Star Wars backpack mm -hmm. and won't get bullied to death. Yeah. I think the reason why Kevin and I chose this topic for today is because we're both mega geeks. Mm -hmm. That is who we are as Latinos in the world. And for the longest time, I always felt like an outcast. And I think a lot of elder millennials can say the same thing. Like we had to kind of be in the nerd closet or we were full on nerd and we got like shoved into lockers. <laughs> and now times have changed so much. Like yeah. people are embracing nerd culture so much more. And it's not something that people are bullied relentlessly for. It, it became part of the mainstream. It just became mm -hmm. the things that we would geek out about became just part of like what people normally like. In high school, I tried to fit in. So a lot of people really didn't see me as a geek or as someone who was obsessed with any sort of fandom in high school because I mm -hmm. desperately was trying to fit in. And back then, like even if you were into rock music, you were automatically considered other and weird. And again, in Miami, the term weird was associated negatively. I think weird is great. I think everyone's fucking weird. It's mm -hmm. about how comfortable you are letting loose and like yeah. allowing your inner weirdness to come out. Yeah. But in Miami, it's so like, oh my God, like God forbid that I mm -hmm. am a little off the cuff. Like I'm a little eccentric or like a little weird and no one's going to be my friend. When I was in middle school and high school, I was in the magnet program. So I, I went to school with a bunch of nerds and geeks. And even within people who were kind of nerdy, there was still a certain degree of, of judgment. The example I always give is my big fandom is Back to the Future. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was in middle school, so the movie wasn't even that old. It was maybe 10 years old at that point. It wasn't like a Star Wars or Star Trek that had like decades. And I had friends who were Star Wars fans, and I'd be like, I'm a Back to the Future fan. And they were like, what? That's stupid. <laughs> like, <laughs> And literally, looking back, these were the nerdiest, like the biggest <laughs> nerds. But they were like judging me. So even within the nerd culture, people still judge other nerd cultures. Oh, you know? I mean, of course. And then as a girl, you couldn't possibly be into video games and, and Star Trek and Star Wars and Power Rangers or 
the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because then you were like a weirdo for liking boy stuff. So I, I was in the nerd closet for a while. It wasn't until 18, 19 when I started working at Toys R Us and I met a group of friends there that were like mega geeks. I finally felt like I found my people. It wasn't until essentially yeah. almost college that I found my my nerd group. And like they were comic book artists and like super nerdy and super huge fans of Marvel and DC comics, anime, all in. They would go to conventions like me and my husband, back then my boyfriend, and a bunch of our friends, our nerdy friends from Miami, traveled all the way to San Diego Mm -hmm. to go to our very first San Diego Comic-Con, and I cosplayed... I, co I did a couple cosplays that year. I cosplayed as cartoon version of Lydia Dietz, and I also did movie version of Ramona Flowers from Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Wait, so you, you got on a plane and traveled all the way across the country just to go to some, like, nerd convention? Like, you, you didn't yeah. go to, like, Vegas to go drinking and no. gambling? Or... I'll tell you this. <laughs> nerds party hard. Mm-hmm. Like, I travel a lot to go to Back to Future events. And I've had people in my life, not like judgmental, but they're like, oh, you um, you went all the way to London just to go to that Back to the Future <laughs> event? I mean, yeah, dude, you went to another country. Yeah, I, I, I did it twice, actually. I did it for a live immersive event, and then later I went for the for the musical, went to London twice for Back to the Future. And what people don't get about this, and I feel like you can relate to this, is that I'm not going there for Back to the Future. Back to the Future is an excuse to go to London. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm, oh, I'm going to go to the musical. And then I'm going to spend a week in London and enjoy my time. Like, it gives me a reason. And I think it's hard for people to wrap their head around that. But then they come up with, like, dumb excuses to go traveling. Like, they have, like, oh, I'm going to go to Spain to go to Ibiza for spring break. Or for sports events. Like, sporting oh, for events. Sports, yeah, for yeah. sure, they all travel. And I'm just like... <laughs> okay, so you're willing to go to see like a sporting event or even like the mm -hmm. Olympics or which I think is valid. But of course then it is. But then it's when it's something else when it's like I'm going to Philadelphia for a convention. And they're like, Oh, you're just gonna go to a convention and like just like what stand in line and get their autograph. I'm like, I'm gonna see all my friends. We're gonna go out. We're gonna have fun. Yeah. And then we you know, we get to see Michael J. Fox sometimes. There is so much more to these comic book conventions. Like mm -hmm. I also have what a lot of us call our con friends, like that mm -hmm. we only see them at conventions. And I've also made some long-term friendships at conventions and we still keep in touch. And mm -hmm. if you're listening right now and you have no idea what the fuck we're talking about and you think it's fucking weird to go to a comic <laughs> book convention and dress up as like a character from a video game, I just implore you to like, Think of other things like sporting events, like yes. you go to a wrestling match, you go to UFC, whatever. You're amongst people that are into the same shit as you, and it's fucking awesome. Yes. That is exactly how we are with, with this. And there's so much more to these conventions. There's Artist Alley, where you get to see all these amazing artists and craftsmen and anything from books to like actual pieces of art to sculptures collectibles, pins, clothing, you name it. There's all these incredible artists that create things based on some of the most popular fandoms and franchises. Mm -hmm. Then you've got like the big stuff, like the Hall H where people wait in line for hours to see their favorite shows. Mm -hmm. And then the panels are great if you want to learn more about what it takes to be a storyboard artist or a voice actor or getting into the business or like... There's so many different panels that are super valuable to creatives or people that are just simply curious or want to meet their favorite voice actors. 
and just learn more about what they do and how they do it. And like, Mm -hmm. and it's also very magical because this is the time where you get to pretty much frolic amongst your favorite nerd celebrities, like fucking Seth Green and Kevin Smith. And one time we were eating lunch in San Diego before going to the convention and we were sitting right next to Elijah Wood. And like, because they are aware that this is obviously like a fan event, they're like super nice, they're super willing to take photos and say hi. And I think what people forget too is that, and I th- this might be a little before your time, but conventions like in the 90s, they filled the void of what the internet is today. So people would go to conventions and like, they would trade like episodes of Doctor Who that couldn't be found anywhere. Or they would like be like, oh, I have this like merchandise or like this replica or this like prop. And like, that's the only place you can buy it or a comic book. Nowadays, you can go online, you can find all that stuff. Uh, You can download, you know, or watch stuff or it's just available because it's kind of taken over the culture. Now everything's available. But there was a time where like, if you wanted to um, own your favorite episode of a TV show, Hmm. you would go to a convention and you could buy it like on a VHS. It was a bootleg, granted. (laughs) My cousin used to go to conventions a lot and it was stuff like that. He would buy like collectibles and he would buy things you couldn't find anywhere else. I think that might be the reason, one of the reasons why like nerd culture kind of took over mainstream cultures because the internet became this giant convention. Mm. And I think the internet kind of normalized it. Like it made it, like it showed how everybody was a fan of all this stuff and it wasn't like a weird little niche like you know everybody hanging out in a in a hotel ballroom once a year sort of thing it became it, it, internet allowed everybody to to have that experience without it feeling like a weirdo sort of thing and you know what i think just let people have their things yeah the world is a piece of shit just let people be happy and enjoy their things whether it's larping or Dungeons and Dragons, or collecting comic books, or going to a Star Wars convention, or traveling to London to get together (laughs) with fellow Back to the Future fans. I always feel like if you feel a really negative way towards people that are just enjoying themselves and get really excited about a franchise or a character or a story, if you make fun of that shit, like there's something wrong with you. Like you have to really look within yourself and ask yourself, why am I such a hater? (laughs) There's a friend of mine who is very good hearted and nice and stuff. But when I first met her, she would joke about LARPers or like when she got to know me and she realized that like I was into like things like Marvel and stuff. She was like, oh, okay. Like she thought it was a little bit like weird or nerdy or a little bit like, you know, a little bit of a side eye sort of thing. She's totally cool with all this stuff now. Like, she doesn't judge it. But I always like to point out the stuff that she does that is nerdy. Like, she's super into antiques and lamps. And I'm like, you're a lamp nerd. Or, like, she's super into, like, graphic design. I'm like, the way you feel about fonts (laughs) is the way that people feel about, I don't know, lightsabers. Yeah. And, And then she gets it now. But it is an interesting dynamic where, like, people are into cars. They're into, like sports they're into a bunch of other things where there's you know politics or the news or anything they're super nerds about it but like they don't like to think that it's a nerd thing or, or a nerdy thing <laughs> they like to think that it's there's a difference yeah yeah but I, I think that it it all to some extent falls into that everybody everybody's into all those things to some extent i think this sort of thing that we have for movies or for characters or even for sports or anything like that this like irrational illogical love for things i always say it's what separates us from the animals and from the robots. Ha, <laughs> yeah. The robot, hypothetically, is something that's like 
really logical. And it's like, these are the things that I do. Everything makes sense. Everything fits into this box. And animals are more instinctual. They're more survival. Everything they do is because they need it to survive. Like, we got to do this. We got to like eat this thing or run over here or climb this tree. And these are two instincts that are within humans. I think we want to survive and we also try to be really logical and, and make have things make sense. And then the, the, the sort of geek nerd obsession that we have is something that's just illogical and it's not meant for survival and it's uniquely human. Yeah. The rationality of it makes it a uniquely human thing. Life is a highway and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Let go with Ego. Existen dos tipos de personas en el mundo. Los que prefieren un desayuno dulce con frutas, dulce de leche y un jugo de naranja. Y los que prefieren un desayuno salado con chorizo, huevos rancheros y un café. Pero sin importar qué tipo de persona eres, hay algo que a todos les va a gustar. Los crujientes y esponjosos Ego Waffles. Ya sea que te guste un desayuno salado, con huevos o salsa picante encima de tus waffles, o seas más dulcero y los prefieras con mantequilla y miel. Encuéntranos en el pasillo de desayunos congelados. Lego with Ego. And I always tell people, everyone has a different reason for loving something, right? Like, one Star Wars fan might have a completely different reason to be a fan of Star Wars compared to someone else. Oh, yeah. And, like, for example, like, one of my best friends, like, she's obsessed with The Little Mermaid and, and all things Disney, and she's my age. She was actually born in Cuba, and The Little Mermaid was the first Disney movie she was introduced to. Mm. And it reminds her of that time of, like, escaping Cuba, coming to a free country as a refugee, yeah. being introduced to something so magical, and then going to this theme park. Like, you gotta mm -hmm. imagine what that's like for a five-year-old kid. So... She gets extremely emotional about Disney and yeah. specifically that character in that movie. And I'm sure there's people on the outside that have made fun of her for it. And it's like, fuck you, dude. Like, you don't know why people are attached to what they're attached to. Yeah. And you just gotta ha let people have their things. Stop judging. I think it's hard for people to wrap their heads around why people love things. Like, for example, a lot of people assume that I love Back to the Future because I love 80s movies. So they bunch it in like, oh, you love Back to the Future and you love Goonies and you love this and you love that. And I'm like, no, those are fine. I just mm. really love Back to the Future. Oh, you love sci-fi, right? You like this. And I'm like, yeah, sci-fi is great, but I, I just really love Back to the Future. And it's because of like kind of like your friend. It's a bunch of different things that came together. I saw Back to the Future when I was like seven or eight. I had gone back to Columbia to visit and it was the summer of 1990. And I think that age of like seven or eight is when you first start becoming really like conscious of things mm -hmm. and my sister and my cousins there were like looking forward to, to part three coming out and I didn't know anything about anything I just knew that the older people in my life were excited about something and I became excited about it and I thought it was literally supposed to be like the greatest thing that ever happened like I was hyped for it because everybody else seemed to be hyped for it but it was like the first thing I remember anybody ever being hyped for so I thought this was it I thought this was like the thing And then I remember going to see it, and uh, obviously it didn't make any sense for a seven-year-old. It was like the third movie in a trilogy that travels through times. There's multiple characters walking around, talking to each other, same character playing two parts. Like, it was super confusing. <laughs> and I think that could have turned off any other seven-year-old or eight-year-old. And for me, it was like, I need to figure this out. I need to figure out what's going on in this movie. And I became obsessed with it because it became a puzzle mm. of like, why is all this stuff happening? And then I kind of started seeing the other movies, and then I, got, I saw The Ride, and I saw the animated series. And it's hard for me to explain why. And like, obviously, the first movie is a masterpiece. 
so it makes sense that I kept loving it. But in reality, the reason I'm a fan is not even because of the movie. It was because of circumstances in which I saw the movie. Yeah, you see? It was like my connection to my older siblings and cousins. It was the feeling of trying to make sense of the world. It was a feeling of feeling smart that I was like piecing it together. Like, oh, Doc is in the Old West because in the beginning, you know, like, and there was just like elements of it that like I can't explain why, but I just love the whole franchise. And it's not just like, oh, it's a cool car or like, even though it was a cool car. Um, <laughs> it was just something that was very personal to me. And it's like, I think it sounds weird, but like it's bettered my life when I was younger and I was very introverted and, and very shy and it was hard for me to make friends. And then I got into like my late teens, early 20s. And I got more out of my shell was because of Back to the Future, because I would want to hang out with my online friends and I would organize meetups. And then I would be the one that was like making sure everybody else was comfortable. And it was like making sure everybody was friends. And it made me feel more comfortable as a person mm-hmm. amongst other people, where I think if I hadn't had that, I would might might still be very, very incredibly introverted like I was back then. There's always a deeper reason why people gravitate towards something right and oh it breaks my heart to talk about this because i just want to slap a bitch in the face (laughs) i'll start off by saying your back to the future is my harry potter Mm -hmm. and the reason why i'm groaning and making all kinds of shitty sound effects is that jk rowling who is the author of the harry potter books and who created this wonderful vast magical universe is a turf which stands for trans exclusionary radical feminist what does that mean it just means that she fucking hates on trans people specifically trans women to the point that it's just downright fucking dangerous and extremely harmful to the trans community and i have so many beautiful trans friends I made an oath after that to myself that I was not going to involve myself in any more Harry Potter activities. I've turned down various Harry Potter jobs. Just last week, I was approached to do a branded campaign for the new Fantastic Beasts film, and I turned it down. Yeah. I'm like, there's no way in fucking hell I'm going to take money promoting J.K. Rowling's bullshit. So it does hurt me because for me, growing up, Harry Potter meant so much to me. I had a very hard time as a kid reading books, and now I'm realizing it's because I had crazy ADHD. So for me, you know how you said, like, Back to the Future made you feel smart as a kid? Mm -hmm. For me, that was Harry Potter. It made me feel like, wow, I finished reading books. It was like a huge accomplishment. It just, the book, like, it just meant a lot to me. And the reason why, you know, there's always characters that you resonate with the most, right? Yeah. And I, I did resonate the most with Harry, and I'll tell you why. It's not because he's the lead or he's like the star of the show. It's because Harry was kind of a doofus. And the only reason why Harry got as far as he did was because his friends helped him get there. And I feel like that's me. I feel like I'm kind of this doofus who's like, you know, I'm courageous, I guess. And I take chances and and risks, which is one of the admirable qualities of Harry, I would say. Like, he definitely was courageous enough to do the thing, even if he had no idea what the fuck he was doing. And if it wasn't for Hermione, especially Hermione helping him, (laughs) he would have been fucked. So Harry was just very much supported by all these wonderful people. So it made me feel better about myself because I kind of saw Harry as this like kid with ADHD and like Mm. didn't do well in school, didn't like studying. 
but he still made it through and he excelled and defeated he who shall not be named and he he was still able to like do the thing with also the help of his good friends you know what i mean yeah. that's why i always related to harry because i was never the smartest i was never yeah. the funniest i was never top of the class and i always felt really insecure about that but somehow i still strive to make it <laughs> so that's why i related to harry yeah you know and that's what's so heartbreaking to me is because J.K. Rowling created this universe where I just wasn't expecting her to be a turf because it was all about inclusion and be yourself yeah. and acceptance for who you are. So it was like a big slap to the face and to a lot of Harry Potter fans, especially trans. A lot of trans people truly looked up to J.K. Rowling and mm -hmm. found comfort in the Harry Potter books and films for that same reason. So that's why I could never publicly support that woman again. I will always have a soft spot for the Harry Potter universe mm -hmm. and the wizarding world in my heart. I think there's something to be said about choosing to not support the author or financially support the franchise because it supports her. But I think there's some people out there who are like, if you still like it, if you still enjoy it, then there's something wrong with you. And I think that that's such a reactionary way of looking at things because throughout history, there's almost no piece of art, no piece of literature, anything that touches cultural humanity that hasn't been made involving problematic people. I know. And the idea of burning it all down because people are terrible. Like There's so many great things that we enjoy or that makes our life better that were created by terrible people that I think the idea for me is not to just stop liking it or to like disown it, but to like engage with it, to, to look at it and say, I enjoy this thing. How can I look at it and see what's wrong with it? And I think that's something to be said that, that people have looked at with Harry Potter is that you can enjoy it for all, it has a lot of good messages and a lot of good world building and characters. Yeah. And you can also analyze it and go, there's some problematic shit in there. There's some characters that are J.K. Rowling telegraphing actually her real intentions or her real like underlining beliefs and stuff like that and you can you can look at it and go oh okay like i'm not gonna disown the whole thing but i can engage with it i feel very lucky that like my favorite thing in the world doesn't have problematic creators i know but it could easily have been something else and how would i react to that and i and i also think a lot about as much as i love back to the future and you know it is my favorite thing in the world i'm critical of it i talk a lot with fans about how there are literally no Latinos in Back to the Future. And I know that sounds funny to people like, oh, that's such a like very specific thing to like <laughs> look at. But like this is a series of films that takes place in California. And one of the movies takes place in the Old West, where the majority of cowboys in the American West were either Latinos or Black. And there's zero Latino representation in the Old West. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's a fact. But and, people don't and, even know that, sadly. But just, so, the, you know, I, as a Latino, I watch the movie and, I, and I, I, I make it a joke now. But it's also a point that I like to make. I like people to engage with it and say, huh, this is a great piece of work. But there was stuff that was missing from it or stuff that they overlooked. The movie isn't bad because of the exclusion of Latino people. It's not bad it just could have been better and i don't say these things to make people dislike the movie i make them so that people think about things more oh yeah you like to be critical because even with harry mm -hmm. potter you look back and you're like "Ooh, this is a little uh anti-semitic 
in some mm-hmm. parts and an mm-hmm. anti-Asian. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was not very uh, diverse casting either. So you go back and you're like, oh, fuck. And now coming to the present, back to the present. Um, we uh, <laughs> That was not funny. Now we're finally starting to see more representation in geek Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I was super hyped yesterday when I saw the trailer for Miss Marvel, you know, and then we've got like Latinos in Star Wars. We've got yes. friggin' Oscar Isaac <laughs> and Diego Luna. I used to have a joke back in the day, just like the there's no Latinos in, in Back to the Future. There was really no Latinos in the original Star Wars. And then in the prequels, we had Jimmy Smith as like the king of Alderaan. So I used to have this joke that all the Latinos in Star Wars universe lived on Alderaan. And when they blew up Alderaan, they blew up all the Latinos. And the sequel and the spinoffs have changed that. There's so many Latinos in oh Star Wars Oh my God. Now. And not just Latinos, so but it's like more black and Asian actors. Mm-hmm. And it's like Star Wars is probably one of the most diverse in terms of casting yeah. and, and characters. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Let go with Ego. Existen dos tipos de personas en el mundo. Los que prefieren un desayuno dulce con frutas, dulce de leche y un jugo de naranja. Y los que prefieren un desayuno salado con chorizo, huevos rancheros y un café. Pero sin importar qué tipo de persona eres, hay algo que a todos les va a gustar. Los crujientes y esponjosos Ego Waffles. Ya sea que te guste un desayuno salado, con huevos o salsa picante encima de tus waffles, o seas más dulcero y los prefieras con mantequilla y miel. Encuéntranos en el pasillo de desayunos congelados. Lego with Ego. You know, now again, like we've we got like Encanto and Coco and Raya and the Last Dragon, and now we've got mm-hmm. Turning Red, which mm-hmm. I know you and I have been ta- I mean, it's been a discussion, especially on Twitter. That there's people mm-hmm. reviewing Turning Red, which is about an Asian American girl yeah. going through girl shit, like her period. Yeah. And there's people that have the gall to be like, I don't really relate to this, so yes. meh. Yeah, literally, <laughs> there was a review that got taken down, but it was an actual published critic whose whole review was... Oh man, like I'm sure this is good for somebody, but like I just can't relate to it. And I think that was a failure on Pixar's part to not make it relatable. And I think there's just a lot of people who don't understand what it's like for like black people and Latino people and Asian people and queer people and disabled people to try to relate to main characters that don't look or act anything like them. Yes, that was our whole childhood is relating to specifically like white characters. In comics, in even freaking video games, in mm-hmm. in movies and in TV. So it's like, g- give me a break. Yeah. It's such a sad excuse. And that's what pisses me off. Because, you know, the struggle that I've had in terms of trying to sell stuff along the lines of what we do, which is extremely mm-hmm. Caribbean, Miami, you know, Latino-centric. It's like, oh, it's not universal enough. I'm like... What are you talking about? We're all human beings. We all have a sh- like a lot of shared experiences, and there's just some slight differences here and there depending on your culture and whatever. Yeah. Get over yourself. But I I'm still glad that we're finally seeing that kind of representation in like our superheroes and in our comics mm-hmm. and and all that. And we've got like Miles Morales. Mhm. I got so emotional watching Into the Spider-Verse. 
because you see this like black Afro Latino kid talking Spanish with his mom. I was like, this is the first time I, I hear like a fucking superhero talking Spanish. Yeah. And in, in my kind of Spanish, because he's Puerto Rican. I was just like, wow, so many people watch that film. Yeah. So it's also like realizing just how many people are consuming that and seeing our culture and also our culture represented in the most diverse way possible. It's like, yes. he's not just a white Puerto Rican, he's a black Puerto Rican. Because guess what? Black people can be Latino too. Yeah. Like for the love of God, people need to know this shit by now. <laughs> yeah. Which is also, again, why I give Encanto so many fucking points. Because mm -hmm. it's like they showed pretty much every color possible yes. and it's like whoa who would have thought and it's like yes because that's the reality guys i think the, <laughs> the 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 thing that bothers me now with things that we have like the spider-verse or ms marvel or or even the modern day star wars is that there's a lot of people who are fans who are geeks who are nerds who look at that and say oh well you now you're just pandering Okay. And I think you said this before. It's that if you go to conventions or when I go to my Back to Future events, it's actually like incredibly diverse. Like I go to these events. One of my favorite pictures I ever took was I cosplay as Marty. And I took a picture and it was like me as Marty, a black guy dresses Marty, yeah, a girl dresses Marty, and an Asian guy dresses Marty. I'm like, this is like, these are people who, for whatever reason, love this movie, are affected by it. So when people say that it's pandering, to me it's like, pandering is a legitimate word and term to use for stuff like this, but that's when you're trying to attract somebody who's not interested in what you're selling, so you change it to attract them. Mm -hmm. So I think like, for example, when we try to sell a show and it's about Latinos and they're like, can you put in white people? To me, that's pandering. To me, that's saying, let's make this palatable to people who don't like this. But the fact is, is that sci-fi and fantasy and horror already have always had a diverse fan base always yeah have always yeah. had it and it's by by making the, the the newer alliterations more inclusive you're not pandering you're actually catering to your fan base these are people that already yeah. existed and you would have all these shows and all these movies where there were so many people who were white or or, or male or 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 just not diverse and not inclusive and all the diverse fans were like, okay, I guess I'm going to enjoy this new Star Wars movie, even though like I'm not in it, but it's fine. Um, and now that people are in positions of power to say, hey, let's just put extra black characters in it because it's a valid thing. It's not weird. It's space. Like, why can't the Stormtrooper be black? I know. Why can't black people be in outer space? Right. Oh, my God. I don't know if you're caught up with the, the whole controversy now with the new Lord of the Rings TV show where people are upset that some of the characters... And now, oh. like, this is a show that takes place before the events. It's a prequel. And they've cast black and Latinos and things like that. And, and some fans are upset. And their whole thing is like, oh, that's not how Tolkien wrote them. And the fact is that, like, it's it's one of those things where, it's not, where Tolkien wasn't like, all these characters are white. It's like, you know, he would describe the elves as, like, having like such and such skin and people always read that as being like oh that must be that they're all white well it's kind of like hermione granger being black in the broadway show right and it's like if you read the goddamn book 
Look, I'm gonna be real. I highly doubt she intended for Hermione to be black. Mm -hmm. But if you read the book, it just says that she has like, what, like mousy brown hair and like, cur you know. Yeah, curly hair. That's it. So you can do whatever the fuck you want with that. And and they made her a black woman in the stage play, yeah. Yeah, because it's an adaptation and it's a different version of it. And I think that's how I feel about the Sword of the Rings thing, where even, even if the idea was that these characters, like the elves, were all like porcelain pale skin, it's like, okay, well, whatever. Like, who gives a fuck? It's a fantasy world. And even if Tolkien in his heart of hearts was like, they all have to be white, again, everybody is problematic to some extent. He wrote the orcs with certain features that, you know, made them seem very, like, indigenous or very, like, native. And it's like, listen, dude, like, like we can still love your books and everything and understand that. But, like, if we're going to make a new version of it, we're not going to just fall into whatever this person you know, decades ago thought was like what should be the normal. Mm -hmm. And it's just so, so dumb that somebody can take something that's literally, literally a series of fantasy <laughs> books that take I place in, in a fake world uh... with magic and say, oh, it's really unrealistic that an elf will be black. Yeah. People are so taught to assume that white is a default, that if they read a book and the character is not described as anything, if that described as black, or Latino, or Asian, if they're just described as a person, it's assumed that they're white. And a lot of people read these books and don't read into the subtext or don't read into like the descriptions. And they and the character, if they don't say, this little black girl helped the hero of the book, they're mad when it's not a white person that is put into the movie. I know. The fact that people don't understand this, I'm just like, y'all are a bunch of racists. Yeah. Like, why are your bloomers in yeah. a bunch? Because now suddenly a character is black or Muslim or Latino. And the same goes for queer characters also. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget, I shared this America Chavez comic on my Facebook page a while back, which that was a goddamn mistake. And, you know, it's written by a queer Puerto Rican woman and the character is also a queer Puerto Rican woman in the comics. And I get an influx of comments being like, quit pushing the gay agenda. <laughs> Mira, if I have to hear gay agenda one more time, I'm going to shove an actual agenda up someone's ass. It should be like a Lisa Frank. A, a, Lisa, a Lisa Frank trapper keeper with all the glitter down someone's gullet because I'm just like, gay agenda, bro. I wrote back and I said, there's no agenda, bro. It's literally called representation. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's tons of queer Puerto Rican women. What are you so upset about? These people exist. They are walking, breathing, living human beings. Yeah. That are more than likely in your own family or next door neighbors or coworkers. Gay people have been around forever. I también, I hate the whole, like, it's only now that all these gay people are like becoming a thing because of media. I'm like, bitch, listen. <laughs> gay people, trans people have been around since the beginning of time, but we were all so scared to include them in media and stories. Mm -hmm. So, of course, now people are thinking, oh, it's because they made LeFou gay. So many, <laughs> so many of the people who created these characters or wrote these books or either secretly or like covertly either gay or yeah. jewish or something else like for example superman right white right mm -hmm. white dude landed in kansas raised by like midwest white christian parents written by two jewish guys it's an immigrant story superman is an immigrant jewish story 
that they were not allowed to make a Jewish character. They, there was no way they were ever going to make Superman a Jewish character. But it was, it was coded in there. They, these Jewish writers wrote Superman as the immigrant story that they knew, you know. So a lot of people would write these characters or create these works and they wanted to be able to make those characters something else, but they weren't allowed to. Now they're allowed to. It's not a sudden surprise thing. It's like now creators are allowed to just show themselves. They're able to write characters that reflect them. Some people are just mad about it. Again, because they're fucking racist, bro. I'm sorry. I'm. You have to look within yourself. And again, we all have had to check ourselves mm-hmm. for internalized ableism or internalized homophobia or internalized, you know, racism. Like... No one's fucking perfect, but, like, at least look in the fucking mirror and have some introspection and really ask yourself, like, why did this potentially bother me? Mm -hmm. But if you're going to get fucking mad and, like, throw tables across a room because suddenly a superhero is a person of color or is gay, you know, I'm just like, dude, take a quick, just a long look at yourself for a second. Why does it bother you so much? I think it's also, for some of these folks, it's also really, like, deep misunderstanding of the work they enjoy. So one of the funnier things about this recently is the newer Star Trek show. I haven't watched enough episodes, but I know the, the lead is black and I think they've had some like non-binary characters or some characters that are like openly queer, all this sort of stuff. And man, there, there are some fans that are really mad about it. And, or they're saying like, oh, they're trying to pander or they're trying to change it, whatever. It's like, you're talking about Star Trek. Star Trek, from its very core, its essence, its beginning was about progressive values. Like, literally, like, it had the first interracial kiss on TV. Like, if that's not political, like, it might not seem that political now, but at the time, it was a huge fucking deal. And, you know, even even in the next generation, in the 90s, in the first couple seasons, Gene Roddenberry specifically wanted the uniforms so that, like, there were background characters, men, who were wearing, like, dresses and skirts. Like, this has been ingrained in Star Trek, the idea of, of like, all the stories, the best Star Trek stories are about, like, you know, people who don't understand each other, people who are this or that. And it's, like, it's been so progressive from the beginning and for people, fans now to look at it and go, oh, having a non-binary character in fucking Star Trek is, like, not in line with the Star Trek values. Like, Oh, my God. People are just grasping at straws and coming up with shit. Mm-hmm. To make themselves feel better. But I think it's just they also don't understand the stuff that they enjoy. No. They don't understand. They just see it on a superficial level. They see spaceships and, and, and lightsabers. They watch Star Wars and they don't understand that, like, the rebels and the Empire are meant to symbolize greater things in the world. And instead, they're just, like, spaceships and lightsabers. That's all they see, you know? All right, hyphenated listeners. That's enough nerding out for today. We want to know... What do you totally geek out over? Is there a story or a franchise or a series in particular that you really felt connected to growing up that made a big difference in your life? Is it a sports team? Is it math? Is it uh, anime, video games, comic book? Let us know at hyphenated at bitaya.fm. So until then, stay geeky, my friends. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Let go with Ego. Existen dos tipos de personas en el mundo. Los que prefieren un desayuno dulce con frutas, dulce de leche y un jugo de naranja. Y los que prefieren un desayuno salado con chorizo, huevos rancheros y un café. Pero sin importar qué tipo de persona eres, hay algo que a todos les va a gustar. 
Los crujientes y esponjosos Ego Waffles. Ya sea que te guste un desayuno salado, con huevos o salsa picante encima de tus waffles, o seas más dulcero y los prefieras con mantequilla y miel. Encuéntranos en el pasillo de desayunos congelados. Lego with Ego.